Welcome to Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better, where I talk about my personal and my group coaching clients' experiences of healing our hearts, authentically falling in love with ourselves, and yes, finding someone better. I'm Claire the Heartbreak Coach. Let's take your love life and entire life to the next level. Hi, loves. Welcome to episode 11, Resisting the Urge. Shout out to my coach, Stacey Bayman. She gave me this great topic idea back in Miami two weeks ago when we were on our VIP mastermind group trip. And we were just talking about all the things that we did that were so hurtful to ourselves just to satisfy the urge of having Mr. Wrong there. No matter all the horrible things that he did, I mean, how many times I took my rock bottom ex back despite his story to many people that we only dated a few months. We were together for just under a year and there were many times we broke up and he begged me to come back. And despite all of the evidence that I found that were pretty incriminating against him. And there was even a point where I begged him, please don't leave me because I was just desperate to have that familiar love or that craving to have the relationship be what it was in the beginning, to have him be who I thought he was in the beginning and to play into the ideal fantasy that he had of who he thought I was. Does that make sense? Did I say that too fast? Just wanting to play into these roles, wanting him to be who I wanted him to be, wanting me to be who he wanted me to be in order for me to feel safe, to feel secure, to be happy, instead of giving myself that security and that happiness and that stability. And I totally relate to this in relationship to my relationship with alcohol. Many of you who have been following me know that I have transitioned from identifying as a regular drinker. I think last episode I said I consumed on average 12 or 15 drinks a week. I think that's a little bit, that's probably a bit of an exaggeration, but even 10 to 12, not that there's that big of a difference, but all that sugar and not really understanding the detrimental effect it was really having on me on a daily basis because I have Irish blood and don't identify as an alcoholic, I can process the alcohol. And I I say process with air quotes because I just wasn't functioning at my highest level as a coach and just as a human in all of my relationships and in relationship to how I was treating my body. I now, my workouts are so much more strong and the food I put into my body is so much healthier and the quantities I'm putting into my body are much healthier because the more I would drink, the more I would eat and the poorer choices that I would make with the kind of food that I was eating. But what I had to do to transition from being a regular drinker, what I had to do to transition from desiring Mr. Wrong is acknowledge my urges. And I love what Brooke Castillo offers in her overdrinking programs. And you can check out her podcast on overdrinking. She's an incredible mentor of mine. I did her self-coaching scholars program for about a year and a half. And I'm going to cut to the chase. The best news I have for you is that you don't have to resist your urge. Nope. You just have to allow the urge. What? Oh, I love that. What? Yeah. 
You just got to allow it. The more you resist, the more things persist. I'm sure I'm not the first person who has shared that with you. So I was just talking to a client this past week who really wanted to nip her sugar addiction in the bud. And she finds herself in work environments where there's just a lot of dessert around her. And she so courageously admitted the shame that she feels even saying out loud because we've been working together for over a year, not initially to deal with her addiction to sugar, but this is something that's come up for her that she really wanted to address. And she said, you know, I feel a lot of shame sharing this with you, Claire, but literally my obsessive thoughts over that dessert, it's like I'm following the dessert all over the place. My eyes are darting there. Even if it isn't for me, I'm wondering, is the person going to leave it there? Can I eat it? Oh my God, it looks so good. It smells so good. I want it. I want it. I want it. Ah! Right, And I just really honored her bravery in sharing that because I think we can all feel that about Mr. Wrong. And I know I definitely have felt that about alcohol. And I'm sure it's not the last time where I noticed the drink. I actually, when I was initially on my 30 day cleanse, I was out with a client and we were having sushi and, you know, totally committed. I had no mind drama around ordering green tea with my sushi, but we were chatting and I noticed the server come from behind my client and walk. And I literally, my eyes, I was in conversation and I stared at the beer, the ice cold beer, which I don't even really drink much beer, but my eyes just totally followed it. And I caught myself and my client caught me and I was like, isn't that crazy? My eyes like completely left the conversation we were having and my eyes totally followed the beer. Like it was the hottest guy I had ever seen walking to the restaurant. And I just had a good laugh about it because what else can we do? And God bless my client who acknowledged all of the hilarious thoughts that she's having. And she even called them, you know, obsessive thoughts. And I definitely can relate to that with alcohol. And I can definitely relate to that over Mr. Wrong. But I am here to tell you that the more you resist and fight it and judge your obsessive thoughts for it, the likelihood is you're going to call them. The likelihood is you're going to have the drink or eat the sugar. So this client who I've been working with for a long time wanted to address the sugar issue. She is so incredible and she works so hard on herself. And I told her this week when we were talking about the sugar, I said, I think your overly intelligent mind is working against you and we just need to simplify. She's so committed to her thought work and elevating her mind and her brain to yield the results that she wants to yield. And she said, I'm doing the thought work, but the results are still the same. And I said, well, the results are still the same because your action is still to eat the sugar, right? The sugar didn't just like jump into her mouth, which is what she said, which I thought was hilarious. And I thought about, you know, when it comes to a guy, he didn't just end up in your bed. You had to call him for him to come over or he had to hit the buzzer or your doorbell and you had to get up and open the door and let him in, right? The man just didn't happen to you. The sugar didn't happen to you. You took the action of putting it in your mouth, right? My client really wanted the result to be that she said no to the sugar. But I said, how about we make the circumstance that you're just not going to eat it? And then we manage your mind around it. So if you're tuning into this episode and you haven't started from episode one, it might help you to go back to episode one where I explain Brooke Castillo's thought model. And we always start out with a circumstance. So the circumstance could be my ex. And we always automatically have thoughts about this particular X, right? So I have different X's and I have different thoughts about each X because it's my brain and the way my brain perceives that person. So if you are tuning in because you're wanting to stop 
wanting him back, I go into in the first episode how your wanting him back is just a thought. So the circumstance is neutral, right? You have your ex and your thought is, I want him to come back. And that thought, I want him to come back, makes you feel anxious, sad, alone, depressed, fearful. And those feelings drive actions of wanting to stalk him on social media, constantly wanting to talk about him, waiting, hoping, wondering if he'll come back, maybe driving by places where you know he'll be or connecting with mutual friends and trying to get information. And then the result is you aren't stopping wanting him back. You're actually still longing for him, right? Your thoughts create your results. So that's my little rushed version from episode one, but I hope you will tune in if you haven't heard it yet. So with regards to my client, her result wanting to be not eating the sugar, I said, no, the circumstance has to be, I'm not going to eat the sugar. And then your automatic thought when you're around the sugar, she finds herself in work environments where there's lots of dessert and sweet things around her. So then your automatic thoughts are going to be, I want it, I want it, I want it. I know I shouldn't have it. Every time I have it, it makes me feel like ass, but it feels so good in the moment. I just want to satisfy this itch. I want the instant gratification. This is torture to say no. Not fair that she's eating it and I'm not eating it, right? All the mind drama. And, you know, I'm getting creative here. These aren't exactly all of her thoughts, right? But those thoughts create feelings of deprivation, discomfort, anxiety, irritability. And what does the brain want to do? What is the action line when you're thinking, I want it, I want it, I shouldn't want it, but I do want it, when you're having all of those resistant thoughts, and then you feel anxious and irritable. So you just want to get rid of that anxiety and irritability. So then the action is to put the sugar in your mouth and say, fuck it, I'm going to have it. And then the result is you feel like ass, you have a, you have a crash later, you don't sleep well, or you're super irritable, or you have more brain fog the next day. And then you just continue to be in this vicious cycle because it's a habit. And so our job is to slow down the mind, notice the thoughts, and manage them. And instead of resisting the thoughts, which are going to be thoughts where you really want to have it, right, but you're not going to... So in the new intentional model, it's to say, I really am craving the sugar right now. I'm noticing the discomfort and I'm going to allow it and be with it. And then the action is to breathe and feel the resistance and not fight the resistance and not put the sugar in the mouth. And then the result is you didn't eat it and you feel amazing and you continue to teach your brain the new habit of not choosing the sugar. And of course, this applies to Mr. Wrong. Instead of, I want to think a certain thought so I can just not engage with him, the circumstance is no contact. And then the thought is, oh my gosh, all I really, really want is to be in touch with him and to touch him and be with him and smell him and kiss him and laugh with him and wrap up in him and all the things. And then when you're thinking those thoughts, when you're committed to not being in contact, but you're thinking all these thoughts and allowing to your your brain to indulge all of that desire while you're actually not receiving that external desire. So then you're feeling really anxious and lonely and sad. And then the action is, is to probably cyber stalk him and cyber stalk his friends and all the things, right? And figure out who he's with, what he's up to, where he is. And maybe another action is that you reach out to him. And the result is likely that he is not going to give you the answer that you want. 
So you ultimately find yourself in more pain when you're resisting the urge. You then want to act on it to just feel better in the moment. And then the result is you actually feel worse. Now, I'm certainly not saying that allowing an urge is fun, but it is definitely a healthier, easier tool that will yield you optimal results if you allow the urge, if you feel the discomfort. Negative emotion, discomfort, salivating in your mouth, feeling pain and longing for someone who isn't present, none of that is fun. It's super painful. But pain is a part of the human experience. We cannot avoid it. Heartbreak is something that we will all experience. Maybe some of you met the love of your life at 14 and he is the person who's going to be with you through and through and you live happily ever after. Godspeed. And please reach out to me because I would love to do a podcast with you because I think that that's an incredible thing. But there are a lot of people who do experience the loss of a romantic partner and have to move through the heartbreak. And there is a better way. There is a more conscious way. There is a healthier way. And no, it isn't fun. But when you fight it and you resist it, you prolong it. And when you allow it and breathe through it and welcome it and acknowledge that, yes, this is hard. Yes, this is uncomfortable, but I'm going to breathe through it. I kid you not, you guys, I am in the middle of this recording and I've had to do a couple of takes and I had a client reach out to me who's on day four of no drinking for 30 days. She has a full-time job. Her husband just took a six-month stint in South Korea for his job. She has a three-year-old and she is starting her own coaching business. She's in coach training. She just got her personal training certification. She has so much on her plate and she was inspired by my no drinking transitioning to moderate drinking journey and really relates to a lot of my own patterns with drinking. And she just texted me and she said, I've had such a hard day and all I want are a couple of drinks to take the edge off. I don't even know what my thoughts or feelings are. All I know is that I really want the drinks to numb out my hard day. What a baller, number one, right? And number two, she knew that I was not going to give her the answer that she wanted. I wasn't going to say, oh, gosh, you're really just having such a hard time and you must feel so lonely and you must really miss your husband and having a three-year-old on your own must be really hard and your whole job and everything. And I mean, gosh, like, yeah, don't, don't, you should just totally have the drink. She knew that that was not what I was going to say, but she reached out for the reminder. And that's what I love so much about this work and having my own two coaches, a business coach and a personal coach to hold me accountable to my goals. When in the moment, the only thing I want is to scratch the itch and resist the urge, right? Or not resist the urge, actually honor the urge by scratching the itch. And so I just said to her, yeah, it's hard. And that's what she said. It's so hard. It's so hard. And she had like a laugh face cry emoji as well as a like whiny face emoji and then a kissy face. And I'm like, yeah, it's all the emotions. She's like, thanks for holding me accountable. And oh, my God, this is so hard. And no, it's not funny. And I just said, yeah, it's hard. And you get to be the woman who handles the hard and wakes up tomorrow morning and says, hell yeah, I didn't need to 
resist the urge or fight the urge and then go for the glass. I just needed to allow the urge and be present with my daughter who ended up doing yoga in the bathtub, which cracked my client up. And then it inspired her to say to me, hey, is it okay if I do yoga or is that me trying to replace the wine with the yoga? I'm like, totally go do the yoga. And I think that was a really good question because she's like, wait, am I trying to do, do, do in order to replace it? But yoga, getting into the body, feeling the discomfort allowing the urge, watching her mind, connecting with her breath and her body was a much better choice than reaching for the glass, right? But she had to allow it. She had to feel the discomfort. This isn't about, oh, I'm just going to stop drinking wine. I'm just going to stop connecting with him. I'm going to just stop stalking him on social media. And that will be the answer. I was recently asked by someone, does stopping stalking him on social media or blocking him on social media really help you get over him? No. I mean, it's an action, right? It's an action for the future version of yourself who's healed, happy, whole, independent, and no longer longs for him. Like that future version of yourself doesn't need to check up on what he's doing on social media, let alone needs to be connected to him. But that's not the way to get over him. It's always about managing your mind because there have been many dudes who I've blocked who have hurt me and let me go when I wasn't ready to let them go. And I just knew, well, being connected to them on social media just isn't the answer. It's not the healthy option. So I'm going to block them. But I also know that blocking them isn't going to cure the pain or the longing or nip the the longing in the bud. It's just preventing me from exposing myself to getting more information to keep me hooked into the longing for him. But I still long for the person. I'm not a robot. I don't flip my heart off like a switch. There's no on and off switch for for my heart, right? So I just allow the feelings to be and take the best care of myself by reaching out to my coaches, allowing the discomfort, naming all the uncomfortable feelings in my body physically and all the uncomfortable emotions like loneliness, sadness, longing. And oftentimes, of course, if you're heartbroken over someone because they didn't want to be with you anymore, managing the feelings of rejection and abandonment and allowing them to be when they feel so strong and so pressing without needing to act on them. One time I had a client say to me who just, she could not get over her ex and we'd worked together for a long time and she was just at a really frustrating point and she got pretty defensive and I'm not saying this in judgment at all, but she said, you know, I don't know how to stop my feelings for him. That's why I'm doing this work with you. I don't know how to stop it. And I said, I'm not asking you to stop your feelings. It would be like telling someone who wants to lose the weight to just stop going to McDonald's. I'm not asking you to stop your craving for McDonald's. I'm just acting, asking you to stop acting out on it and allow the craving to be, allow the desire to be, allow the love to be. But when you intellectually know that that person isn't serving you or that food isn't serving you or the sugar isn't serving you or the extra drinks aren't serving you to allow that discomfort until they pass and not act on them. And some of you might be listening right now and saying, well, easier said than done, easier said than done. Of course, it sounds like that. I've been in your shoes many times. Even if you asked me over two months ago, could I ever 
identify as a moderate drinker and how many dudes oh, I've been heartbroken over could I ever imagine being over them and really recognizing the bigger lesson and moving through the negative emotion of loneliness and longing without longing for it. I would have said it's too hard. It's too hard. But I am here on the other side to say it absolutely isn't. And the first step is just allowing those uncomfortable feelings. We have never been taught that it's okay to cry. I know that I was never taught in school or growing up that it was okay to cry, even though the dramatic little actress in me was quite the crier and the drama queen and the screamer and the temper tantrumer, all the things. But nobody said, it's okay. Get your feelings out, Claire. It's okay to feel sad or mad. Let's talk about this and love my parents madly. But I grew up in an Irish Catholic household. 100% Irish. That was just not what my parents were taught at the time. And even, you know, having grown up in the States for majority of my life, a lot of my American friends were also not taught that feeling your negative emotions is okay. Uh, the, The common theme is to say, don't cry, don't cry. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. It's okay to not feel fine. It's okay to have negative emotion. It's okay to feel anxiety and loneliness and longing and also not act in a way to make those feelings worse. And that's where we need to slow down, watch our thoughts. After we've made a commitment, we will not eat the sugar. We will not stay in contact with that man. Even if he buzzes at the door, he doesn't just like land in your bed. You have to let him in. The sugar doesn't land in your mouth. That extra drink doesn't get poured down your mouth. You have a say. And then when you allow that urge and let it pass, then you start to really understand how much control you have in your life, how much control you have in your thoughts and your emotions. And that gives you that much more confidence to start becoming the empowered, badass woman that you are. Or man. I have a few men who are enjoying this podcast, and I really appreciate you guys listening. So I hope whatever urge you're experiencing right now, that you know you don't have to resist it. You just have to allow it and not act on it and let it pass and then just feel like a freaking badass when you do over and over and over again. And then your brain has learned this new habit and you just become that much more of a baller and keep stepping up your life to the next level and then the next level after that and the next level after that. Thank you so much for listening, my loves. I am so grateful to all of you who continue to tune in to How to Stop Wanting Him Back. Please head over to iTunes and give me five stars. I would so appreciate it. And as always, I'm open to any feedback. And if you are interested in me touching on a topic that you would like to hear more about, email me at clareyourmindcoaching at gmail.com. And uh, who knows, maybe you'll get a special shout out on the topic. Until next time, my loves. Bye. My love, are you ready to stop wanting him back and find someone better? Then head on over to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com and sign up for my one-year group coaching program. I can't wait to put a stop to your broken heart and get a start on your happily ever after.